This is Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And now your host, Michael O'Fallon. It was necessary for me to take a few days away from our daily podcast this past week. And for that, I do ask for your forgiveness. But just as so many things around us are currently in transition or in the process of being reset, so too are many aspects of my personal life and my businesses and corporate associations. And sadly, many of the businesses that I own are now being put into a squeeze into the inevitable choke point where my travel partners and hospitality partners have decided to embrace the path set before them by the United Nations and the World Economic Forum. Many of these decisions have resulted, and of course I have been aware that this was the case for the last 10 years or so, but more so since really 2015, when the powers that be started to actualize and implement their previously stated goals of moving the world into a fascistic, neo-Marxist, totalitarian direction, you know, in a supranational direction. I knew this, and my business partners knew that this was going to be happening. And as I have stated before on this podcast, and also on the causes of things, we thought that we had a window of opportunity, a time in 2016, especially at the end of 2016, after Donald Trump was elected that we might have a chance to get things back on track for national sovereignty. So I tried to talk to my partners, my business partners, as well as Ambassador Alan Keyes, Joseph Ferrer at World Net Daily, and as well um, spoke to a lot of my faith partners. But a lot of those faith partners were the ones that were slow to take. But we wanted to try to alert the world and especially alert the new administration that was coming in in 2017, and to attempt to help everyone understand the geopolitical, national, ideological, and theological challenges that were going to be coming to all of us by 2020 or 2021. We knew that those were the effective dates. That is the reason why I took a leave from my full-time duties at Sovereign Alliance and then started Sovereign Nations. And my partners and I really have invested over a million U.S. dollars, both in Sovereign Nations, our conferences, making sure that it's up and going. If you'll notice, by the way, we took all the ads off the site. We weren't so much concerned about making money as making a difference. We invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in other organizations and ministries, in hopes that we are going to together fight this coming darkness. And then as well, we started brand new organizations along the way. Now, most of you might be familiar with me and my work at Sovereign Nations because of the public focus that I have had in attempting to alert the church about the coming ideological and theological crises of critical race theory, intersectionality, anti-nationalism, of course, which is always accompanied by the cheering of woke proponents for supranationalism and global patriotism, etc. But this has been quite difficult. Surprisingly so, especially from those that were my faith partners. 
But the truth is, and I say this as someone who is reformed and a Calvinist, I would probably not have started Sovereign Nations if it had not been so difficult to get any of whom I thought were godly and discerning men to stand with me six or seven years ago. No one would stand. No one wanted to touch any of the issues that I was discussing. They didn't understand or want to spend time to understand what was happening with critical race theory, intersectionality, reflexivity, Hegelianism, Open Societies Foundations, or the World Economic Forum. Literally, no one cared. I mean, think about this for a second. The very first conference that I had in 2017, it was difficult for me, more so than anybody else, it was difficult for me to get some Christians to come and speak, even though I had Jordan Peterson there and Ambassador Alan Keyes, and they didn't understand what was going on. Now, of course, nobody knew who Jordan Peterson was back then. I did, but not many other people had ever heard of him. So no one cared, and they didn't see it. Even though in 2016, 2015, and especially 2017, it was thick with critical race theory. I mean, it was way past what they're saying today back then. But I did also go into detail about all of what was going to be happening with a few men, and I've talked about this before. Uh, including Dr. James White and a few others. Josh Bice, I, I let know some of it. I was afraid to let him know everything, to be honest with you, about how public health would be used after a precipitating event to crush the Constitution and create a worldwide revolution or reset within the next four to five years. This is going back to 2016. And the reason that I stopped telling everybody about the full thing is because most people thought when I told them this that I was wearing a tinfoil hat. And they started to distance themselves from me. Of course, many now want to discuss CRT and intersectionality because there is money to be made and the grift is in full swing. So where I have invested well over a million dollars over the past five years of my own money, my family's money, into these efforts where I could have just as easily invested, bought more things, put on a new wood deck, refinanced the house and got something even better. Yeah, I could have done all those things with the money that I invested in this effort to fight. Well, many of those men that would not stand with me, these men would not stand until there was cash to be made along with the building of their own platforms and wanting the light to shine brightly on their newfound discernment. Of course, that didn't really happen until 2018, late in 2019, or possibly even with some of them until 2020. Now, of course, most of these men rejected the warnings of me personally to them and the public warnings of Jordan Hall and Brandon House many years ago. They just completely dismissed everyone. So there is a problem that we all need to think about. And the problem is that many of the established guardians of the Reformed Christian and apologetics gates in broader evangelicalism were lost in their own tribal cognitive fogs. 
And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in an upcoming episode. I'm going to not be ad hominem, but I'm going to really try to make sure that you understand that we have a problem and we need to look at the way that we function. But these men that would not stand with me, they were unable to see when men like Russell Moore, Mark Dever, Al Mohler, Ed Stetzer, Legan Duncan, Jarvis Williams, Jonathan Lehman, Tim Keller, Antabidi Anabwile, and many others were spouting neo-Marxist liberation theology-tinged postmodern communistic proclamations. And the reason, this is what it comes down to, is that they were blinded by their own tribe. And even now, today, they're confused when these men that they know are teaching these things will not either be honest or forthright with them about these issues. I mean, it truly is amazing to watch them twist in the wind because they're still so dedicated to their tribe, and I get it. You have the Westminster Confession of Faith that you're dedicated to. You have the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession, and these men are saying that they are confessional, that they believe in those things. But the problem is that they really don't. Even though they say these things, they're actually pushing neo-Marxism, and they won't be honest with you. And they give you the same answers. They say, well, we're just concerned about how our black brothers, really, no, you're not concerned about truth. That's the problem. What's even worse, I think, is that some men on the non-woke side, good guys that, of course, reject all this nonsense, they really want to believe every quiet but private, untruthful admissions from progressive critical theorist liberation theologians who are now saying, yeah, you know, I really don't agree with that stuff anymore. Yeah, I kind of see it. But yeah, I'd really like to be able to get with you and, and let's work on some things together. And yet, they will not denounce their previous teachings. And they also won't call out the men that are currently doing these things. So how do you know that they're really on our side? And that's because they aren't. They are political. They are postmodern. And if you haven't figured that out yet, you need to see it for what it is. You also have the issue of men who were completely ignorant of what was happening with the entire woke invasion into Christianity. The why, who, how, etc. of how this has all happened. Who, just within the past year and a half to two years, have been in chat rooms, let's say with me, who now run with my information and corrections of them over the years and try to pass themselves off as experts. These men invested nothing into this battle, literally nothing, and are only here for cash, for grift, and to build their own career paths. Well, I have some news for some of these self-proclaimed courageous men. You haven't seen the trouble that is coming yet. You thought that someone saying that they are cutting you off from fellowship or when someone sent out some mean tweets about you, that this took courage? While you were pushing your books and making a profit? Well, you're going to get a chance to prove that you are a courageous person really soon. We all are. So let's just wait on the self-aggrandizement a bit longer, shall we? And this is the main defect in our conservative side of things. The main issue with our, rightfully so, anti-collectivist nature. 
Our side, our conservative side, is worried about being on top, being first, tooting our own horns, being looked at as the person who's, who's leading in this whole battle. But yet you're not. And many of these men who quit listening to me in regards to my warnings back in, let's say, early 2019 or even back in 2018, and many of these new guys that quit listening to me in 2019 and thought they kind of had it down now. And they didn't want to use terms that I was using, like critical race theory, uh, intersectionality, and so forth. And they really ignored the warning about critical race theory standpoint epistemology, and they didn't understand the things that were being communicated by Derrida, Hegel, and then Foucault. And as well, just they, they looked at Marcusa and just found that really too, too much to get their, their hands around. They really didn't want to get into postmodern, etc., they just wanted the target and try to fire at it and make sure that they were doing their podcasts and vidcasts and so forth. So what had been over a year of private conversations that I had had with Peter Bogosian and Dr. James Lindsay, well, that became public conversations on a New York City rooftop. And finally, we were able to change the entire conversation. And now everybody had to start writing books again and doing their own podcasts on what Dr. Lindsay, Dr. Bogosian, and I spoke about on the rooftop in New York. And then, of course, as conservatives who are very competitive do, everyone's siloed. Everyone wants to pretend as if they were the ones that figured it out, as if they were the courageous ones. Well, <laughs> no, sorry, gentlemen. You weren't courageous. You were opportunists. James Lindsay and I have a running joke of where we say whatever James talks about or whatever James and I speak about in our videos will be regurgitated by all the opportunists within a week of our releasing new information or discussions. Whether it be about the dialectic or something else, whatever our newest thing is, well, give it a few days and then everybody's going to be doing their podcasts on it. And the really difficult thing is that it took me years to get anyone in Christianity to glance at Derrida and Foucault. Years. And it took me even a longer time to convince anyone, not just within Christianity, but outside of Christianity, to take a look at Hegel, alchemy, Marcusa, Soros, and repressive tolerance. That was a real challenge. Boy, did I, I get some feedback that was very negative along the way. And those of you that listen to Dr. James Lindsay, may I say that you have excellent information that's being downloaded to you. Really the best. And that's why I have supported James through the years. Now, understand, there are men that take whatever James Lindsay says, not just within the, Christ, within the Christian community, but give it, I mean, less than 24 hours, usually two to four hours, and all of a sudden they're going to be regurgitating whatever he said, repeating it word for word sometimes, and not giving him an ounce of credit. I think we're kind of done with that. We've paid a high cost, guys. We have. Um, I'm glad that the information is getting out there. And Dr. Lindsay, I believe I can speak for him on this, is that he is too. He's very glad that all of it's getting out there. 
But remember those, as I had said in a previous, the causes of things. Remember those that went through the battlefield, that walked through that minefield and cleared the mines for you to come across. Don't forget that. One thing, though, that Dr. James Lindsay does understand that everybody else needs to start to know now is that critical race theory was never the end goal. CRT is a necessary element of the end goal. And the next stage of this insanity and chaos that's all around us is really going to test everyone. As I said, you're going to have that chance to show whether you're courageous or not. Guys, it's going to get tough. I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you. I'm not here to just brighten your day. I'm here to prepare you. And I always have been. And I've tried to be as honest as possible. I know people four or five years ago were saying how dark I was and what I was saying. Well, I wasn't dark enough. It's going to get tough, guys. And I think you can see it now. So it's time to get prepared. And you know, and the thing is, is what has been gradual and incremental over time, it's about ready to take a few massive leaps. And it's going to have serious consequences for some of us. Maybe loss of jobs, loss of income, ability to function. Some people are going to lose their homes. Some people are going to lose, because the idea is that we're all going to lose everything. That's the idea. Now, while I've been trying to help those in the church, I've also been trying to penetrate with the issues in Washington, D.C. and in international politics. I've probably spent, over the past five years, nearly a year in Washington, D.C. and surrounding areas. Getting into the halls of Congress, uh, talking directly to those associated with the president, trying to talk with people in the Pentagon, which I will be going in. I'll be going into more detail in that in the future about what I tried to have happen there. I saw what was happening that you're aware of now happening three years ago. This was at first easy, by the way, back in 2017, because they knew that I made a lot of sacrifices to ensure that Donald Trump was in the White House. But then it became rather hard as the Trump White House was surrounded by progressive, neoconservative um, Praetorian guards. And that's because the swamp, you see, it runs really deep in the Republican Party, and everything is not as it seems, just like everything else, right? And then as well, even by the good people that I had spoken to back in 2017, many promises were made and then quickly forgotten. Many wave-offs from the people not qualified to be close to elected officials, or even from elected officials themselves over the years. In international politics as well, where I've been to London, I've been to Paris, I've been to other places to go and talk to people at the upper echelons of especially the conservative side of politics. And I've actually been involved, and I can't say much, but been involved in trying to help them with strategy. And then sadly, what has been said to me over this past year since Donald Trump lost the election is by some of these conservative diehards, and I mean, I don't want to put any of them down, but 
especially at one conversation that I had with a very, very well-known household figure. He said, Mike, it just isn't a winnable fight, so we have to pick our battles. Really? You're going to give up that quickly? Do you want me to go over and fight for your country as Boris Johnson takes it apart? Stand up, man. It's sad that these men and women will give up so easily on what Winston Churchill fought so hard to preserve, that literally hundreds of thousands of your countrymen died to preserve. And then there is the other side of things that I've been battling this. And this is where I've spent the last seven days and why I was not able to continue with the show last week. Well, I've been deeply involved in the corporate world as well, and most specifically in trying to warn those in the travel industry. But the problem, just like with the church, is the exact same ideology that was embedding itself in the church over the last 20 years has been embedding itself in the travel, trade, tour, and cruise industry over the past 10 years. Exactly the same thing. And just like within Christianity, everyone is at first fascinated with what I have to say, and then they begin to break away because they're committed to their tribe. Whether it be at a major hotel brand, a cruise line, or a travel association, And I've heard the phrase too many times from some of these people that have been my very good friends and we've been serving on the boards of major, uh, let's just say, travel products. There is, Mike, there's nothing we can do to stop it from happening. So we just have to make the best of it, okay? And they say this while their corporations all peddle CRT, intersectionality, and the UN Agenda 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. So maybe you're beginning to see how this has been for me personally. And I don't know if this helps you at all in your struggles that you're having with things. Is that in these three different areas, I've been trying to battle this. That's the main focus of my research, where you'd have Dr. Lindsay, of course, mainly in education and research and other areas. Now, of course, he's expanded it because he does see as well, the fight is wide, And where some people, even within their own tribe, whether it be in Christianity or if you're you're a board member of a major hotel brand, you're just not willing to fight it. You're not willing to risk it. So just like with what we did in international politics in combating this, what we did in national politics, and especially like what... We tried to start, it was difficult in the beginning, in the church over the past four to five years. Well, some of my partners and I this past week have decided that we are going to go full at this with full force in the corporate world and in the world of transportation and travel. We're up against quite a bit, but we need to do this. We must for you and for you to be able to have the opportunity to travel, for you to have the ability to have meetings, 
for you to be able to go in a hotel, for you to be able to go into a restaurant. We need to do this not just for ourselves, but for you too. Because with the travel, transportation, and tourism industry, they're the ones who are really the ones that push in the private sector of things, especially here in the United States, and give you and allow you to have freedom of movement. And if we don't win at this, what's coming to you is complete restriction. Right now, everything is quickly moving towards complete restriction, except for those that will be integrated into the new digital, traceable, and trackable systems that are just a year or so away. This is going to happen quick. You're going to transition from a carrying a card to show your vaccination status to everything being digital. And what is happening now in China with the social credit system is coming here by way of using the COVID scare and vaccinations as the precipitating cause. And of course, whatever is a public health concern now will only be added on to in the future. And what I mean by that is, like, what else does the left consider to be a public health crisis right now? Have you asked yourself that lately? Well, how about firearms? That is a public health crisis to the progressives, the same ones who are enforcing vaccine mandates, the same people. Well, how about autonomous driving? How about racism? How about carbon emissions and carbon footprints? And even how many people are on the earth? How about dangerous, racist, and divisive theological ideas? It's all coming. You can take that to the bank. Oh, and about that bank? That will be changing as well. See, you will get what is determined you need and not what you want in the new sustainable circular economy. And suddenly, it begins to dawn on some of you Christians that we've been warning about all of this over the past few years. That the whole reason that CRT and liberation theology was brought into the church was to ease you into totalitarianism to ease you into losing everything that you own, to ease you into supranational socialism. And those men who you just can't believe are teaching this stuff are all in on it, and they always have been. It is possibly the greatest deception ever pulled on the church. And we are still spending our time worrying about whether someone believes in 4.5 points of Calvinism or all five points. Whether or not someone is a cessationist or a continuationist. And we should argue about those things. Don't get me wrong. We should. But you are about to lose your right to argue about anything in regards to the faith in a short minute. I mean, this is going to happen really quickly. So you'd better stop worrying about your next book project Get close to everyone that believes that we need to fight this thing. Mend your fences and stick closely together. And I would also like to suggest listening to the person who warned you about all of this when it was coming six or eight years ago, when you didn't listen.
I might suggest listening carefully now. Because the thunder is distant right now. The dark clouds are encroaching upon us. But the storm... The storm is about to arrive. And ladies and gentlemen, we must win. I'm Michael O'Fallon, and this has been Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic.